Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, um, just really quick, a reminder, the Omega Hour that's following, um, it's not exactly a Bible study, but it is a great opportunity to uh, get into the story of the Bible. Today we're going to be covering Exodus, um, which does mean we're not going to go through every little detail of it, of course. Um, It's a long book, and a lot of things happen, but what I'm trying to do with this first Omega Hour is just kind of give a an overview, if you will, of what the Old Testament is like. Uh, We'll do that with the New Testament here in a little bit too. And then we'll take different little topics here and there. But um, hopefully what you'll see is a lot of New Testament and gospel themes coming out as we go through Exodus. Um, And in fact, we're going to catch a little bit of that in our reading this morning. So this is the, the final of the what did he say when he calls? And so we're talking specifically today about the call of Philip and Nathaniel. And one of the things that, that sort of you know, illuminates our text this morning is Moses is a part of our text. And we're doing Exodus today. That worked out really nicely. So because this is the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus, would you please stand? The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is indeed an interesting text. Uh, This is the final of the what he said when he calls. And the next week we're going to transition into resistance because that's um, simply a reality of the life of a disciple is as we're called to live, as we're called to ministry, mission, uh, as we're called to live out our faith, we always encounter some resistance to that. And sometimes it's, it's real significant. We are, we are blessed, though, in this country to not have you know, serious persecution and organized things like that where people are trying to do us physical harm or kill us. But there is almost a more insidious form of resistance. And it often comes from our family members, from friends, from people we've known a long time who, who are, I don't know, resistant to the idea of us being different or living different or resistant to the way things have been changing or resistant in, in general to us living the faith that we have. 
which is ironic since we are living faith as, as a church body. But in our text this morning, we're not focusing on resistance. We're focusing rather on this call. And I want to start by pointing out this is evangelism one. That's the, the first point in the text is Evangelism 101. Philip finds Nathaniel and he introduces him to Jesus. Literally, as maybe you've heard this sort of colloquial phrase used amongst Christians, bringing someone to Jesus. I mean, he literally brings him to Jesus. And he says, that, that's Jesus right there. That's, that is all really evangelism is. It, it's summed up right here in the text beautifully because when, when Philip talks to Nathaniel, he says to him all the things, right? He says, we found the guy. It's really him. Now, we can assume Nathaniel is familiar with some of the stories going around about this guy. And, and we can assume Nathaniel sort of has heard some of the, the stories of miracles and some of the amazing things that have gone on. We can assume Nathaniel's got some background on this, um, especially, I think, because it says in there, makes a point, John says, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, meaning that Philip had a few things already in his mind. You know, he's, he's seen some of these things, and he's heard about these miraculous calls into ministry where people are just dropping everything and, and following Jesus. So Philip knows, and if Philip knows, he seems to know who Nathaniel is, and Nathaniel probably knows. And Philip goes to the stuff that Nathaniel will know. When he says, we found the guy written about in, in, in the law by Moses, the guy that the prophets talked about, what he's doing is just sort of planting that seed. You know all of the little things that, that the law says, that Moses talked about that would be about the Messiah. You know what the prophets said, all those little things that are there in, in the prophets. And we're going to see a couple of those things today in Exodus where it's like, obviously, that's talking about Jesus. Obviously, that's talking about Jesus. So Philip is trying to use that as the external evidence. And Nathaniel absolutely will know all of those things well, just like Philip does, because as Jesus says, he is a, a real Israelite indeed. He knows all of those things. But as is so often common, the external stuff, the external evidence doesn't bring Nathaniel to faith. This is an interesting thing, and, and I know we've got some apologetic nerds here, and, and I'm one of them. I love apologetics. I love looking at evidence in the world, of, in, in science, in just the natural world, in philosophy, that surely God exists, surely there is a creator. I love all of the apologetics, but apologetics never create faith. You can look at all of that evidence, and, and I encourage you to. In fact, I'm kind of percolating maybe this spring on doing a, a little apologetics uh, conference with some of the churches in the Des Moines area and bringing in a guy who really knows his stuff and just kind of doing that. But what apologetics is really good for, for those who believe to sort of strengthen and bolster their faith. Sometimes for those who don't believe, just to remove some roadblocks so that there's nothing anymore in the way of them believing that there is a God and a creator. But what creates faith is meeting Jesus. What creates faith is, is drawing close to Jesus. 
Because the, the call isn't this call to know and to understand. The call isn't even this broad and generic call to all people. The call is very personal. The calling to faith is a very personal thing that, that comes specifically to Nathaniel. And Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. That's a different sort of, of miracle than the other things that he will do. And by the way, those miracles didn't bring people to faith either, generally speaking. They always explained it away. They always found a way in which, well, that probably was this, or those people were wrong. And, and we still do that today. We see modern miracles all the time. And they're always explained away by science or uh, deep fake videos or whatever it might be. People will always find a reason to not believe the miracles of God. But this one is personal. And Nathaniel knows Jesus couldn't have known without some kind of divine intervention. But more than that, more than just showing the power, more than just being like, look, I'm omniscient. I, I knew you were under the fig tree, and there's no way I could have known that unless I am God himself and omniscient. There's no way I could know that. It's more than that because it is personal to Nathaniel because it means Jesus had his eye on him, was watching him. When Nathaniel asks the question, it's maybe the most beautiful question and answer you could ever have. Nathaniel, you know, Jesus says this thing, behold, an Israelite indeed, and I have no idea, and none of the commentaries that I've been through on this text probably 10, 15 times have been able to say this is what Jesus was saying and this is why he was saying it or give any explanation. So I don't even know really. I, in my head, I kind of like to think Jesus was kind of being jestful a little bit, like, ah, look at this guy. This guy's a real Israelite right here. Look at him. And maybe... Maybe Nathaniel was. Maybe he was decked out, had all the right garb, all the right clothes on. Uh, maybe he had a reputation for really knowing the law and the prophets. And who knows what it was? But, you know, Jesus is like, look at this guy. Not, not in a mean way, but like, man, look at this guy. Like, kind of friendly, kind of. And Nathaniel is a little standoffish. And he's like, you don't know me. How do you know me? And then Jesus says, oh, I know you. I've been watching you. I know you well. And the implications of him being God is that not only was he watching him under the fig tree, but he knew him in his mother's womb. He knew him before the creation of the world, and he knows everything about him. That's why the, it's such a profound response from Nathaniel, because he is a real deal Israelite and really knows and loves and worships a powerful God. And now he knows he's looking at him face to face. The calling for every one of us is personal because Jesus knows you. And he knows what it is to have all of those human experiences that you do. This is the, one of the main differences, and there's, there's plenty, and I could stand up here and parse all of the little ones, but if, if you want to look at the global religions, the difference between Christianity 
and all of these other things really begins by, by embracing the idea that God would become one of us, that God would take on flesh. You know, it's, it's just barely October, and I'm not like Walmart or Costco. I'm not ready to get into Christmas just yet, right? By the way, that drives me crazy. Can we just do Thanksgiving first and then Christmas? But here we are. The gifts are already out. It's already happening. But we're not going to get ahead to it yet, but you have to understand that that means he knows you. Jesus knows what it is to be human. Our God knows what that's like. He knows what it's like. And in a way that is perfect and powerful and and godlike, absolutely. But still, he knows what it's like. It is so hard to be human. You ever think about it, like how hard it is to be a person? It's difficult. We're, we're not an animal. And, and it drives me crazy. When I listen to podcasts and I listen to people talking about us as you know, highly advanced and evolved animals, like we are so different from animals. You ever, you ever even thought about, like, what does a raccoon think about its retirement plan? Is there a raccoon, 401Ks? What about the raccoon stock market? And, and we, <laughs> we look at, at monkeys and, and just other primates in general and go, oh, look, look how intelligent they are. They're, they're using tools now. That's intelligent. They take sticks or rocks and bang things, right? That, that's not a tool, that's, that is taking a thing and smacking a thing, right? That's not a tool. Imagine, just, just in your mind, what it takes to put together a minivan, right? I have a minivan, I love it. Just, just the putting of it together, the tools used to put it together, those tools were made by other tools, right? There's, a socket has never fallen out of the sky. <laughs> Some, somebody made a tool, and then somebody had to, to take that tool and put it to, and I always thought this too, like if, if the world really did a reset, we, we would have to go so far just to get back to making socket sets <laughs> so we can start building stuff. We have to make the, the things, the mind, the ore. I mean, it is the distance between us and the next most intelligent creature is vastly different. I say all that because it is. It's hard. It's hard to be a person because we can think about things and worry about things and, and even create some things. You ever seen any art from a dolphin? <laughs> right? Have you ever seen a, a picture or a, a, a story told by a chimpanzee? I mean, these things don't exist. It's so, so much more to be human but with all of that extra capacity comes the capacity to sin and to hurt and to cause harm because some of those same tools that put together a minivan that will sit all eight of us to drive someplace, those same tools, some of them are used for war, are used to kill are used to bring separation and pain and suffering, are used to take over and invade. It's, it is hard to be a person because of the capacity God has given to us. 
And every one of us has been hurt in a way or disappointed in a way or, or whatever in so many different ways. And that all we want to do is know that somebody knows us. You know how powerful that is? Of all the things in the world that, that God can bless you with, all those things that, that you can get, the, the wealth, the power, the influence, the, the houses, the cars, all of those different things, we all know pale in comparison to, to having relationships and people, but it's not just people, not, not just human beings around. They're not assistants or, or people who help us at work. People who we can say know us. You know, do you remember the first time as you're starting to have those adult, right, complex relationships with people and you realize this person gets me. This person knows what it's like to be me and, and how important that was. And, and even that relationship over time grew and maybe you get to a place where you're like, man, somebody finally knows me and how relieving that is. You can't buy it, you can't make it, you can't design it. It is, it is a gift that somebody gives to you to say, I know you, I see you, I hear you, and I'm with you. And that's the incarnation of Jesus. He says, I know you, I see you, I hear you, and I love you. That's such a powerful thing to be known. If, if you have one or two people in your life that you feel know you, you are blessed more than many people. You have a God who knows you. And he wouldn't leave you in this place to this destiny, to this brokenness of sin. So not only does he know you as you live, he even knows what it is to die. To, to just not just take on flesh, but to take on flesh and then even death, even the pain and suffering of death. But more so than that, he took on all of your sin, all of the pain, all of the shame. I mean, you know better, right? Because you are not a monkey, you are not a dolphin. You know what is right and wrong. Not just instinctually do you protect your kids like, like a deer will try and protect a fawn. That's, you know not just instinctually other people are important, but you see something in them and you know them and you know this person is incredibly valuable and loved. Right? You know those things. And so you know how just awful it feels when you disappoint them or you do something embarrassing or shameful. You know, an animal is never embarrassed when it trips and falls, right? You see a, a gazelle running and, and a lion catches it. It's not like, oh, that's embarrassing, right? All my friends are totally watching. No, they don't. That's us. So, so you know what that's like. And so does Jesus. 
Not because he did, but because he took yours. Not because he disappointed anybody or did anything shameful. He took yours, not just in a you know, transactional way, not just like on a balance sheet. He took them on in a way that he experiences it. Yeah, it, it wouldn't really be an incarnational, substitutional, atoning sacrifice if he just kind of stands in the place, nailed on a cross, and dies for us, right? And it's, it's not that, that God just moved on the balance sheet, you know, our sin to Jesus, his righteousness over here, and God is just an accountant in the sky going, done, you're saved. No, Jesus took those sins, experienced our sin. Why? Why not just move it across the ledger? Why, why not just add and subtract and get it done? Because he wants to know you. How important it is, I already said it, to be known. But it doesn't count if he just knows us transactionally, knows us on a ledger. He knows your sin and has experienced your sin. This is the power of those words he says to Nathaniel. Just that one little phrase, Nathaniel, how do you know me? I saw you before Philip called you under the fig tree. That's why you get this profound, all of that, all of that sermon, all of those ideas just sprung forward, welled up, and just bunched up in his brain, and the only thing he can do is respond, Rabbi, you are the son of God. I know it. I know it. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus goes, because I said that? Okay. Guess what? You're going to see so much more. And he's not talking about walking on water, which Nathaniel will see. He's not talking about all of these other little things that Nathaniel will see where he does miracles, where the blind see and the, the deaf hear and the lame walk. Those aren't the greater things. He points them to heaven opened up and angels ascending and descending. This is actually a call back all the way back to Jacob, Jacob's ladder. We've, we remember that story, right, where Jacob is having this vision of what heaven is like. And he says, the greatest thing that you have to see won't even be when you're alive. The greatest thing, right, the greater things than this is what Jesus says, the greatest things that we can even imagine on earth to be known by somebody who loves us to have somebody see us and know us and, and have the inverse, to know somebody and to see them and to love them. As great as that is, it pales in comparison to what he has in store for us because he wants to know you without sin. He wants to know you without pain or suffering and sorrow. He wants you to know what that's like. He wants you to know what it is to walk earth without a, a pain in your back or the neck or to be sick or, or to all of those. He just wants all of that gone. So all that you know is God, is perfection, is beauty, is, is loveliness, is kindness, is, is all of those things, is all that you're going to know. And that's why Jesus says greater things. You're going to know greater things. You're going to see greater things. 
This is just the beginning. Me knowing you and you knowing that I'm the son of God, this is just the beginning. And it's just the beginning for you. And it is that simple. That's where you start in the discipleship process. You just know who Jesus is. You just know him. And, and you, you know he's the son of God. You know he's our king. You know we worship him. We love him. You know he's, he's man. You know he's God. That's it. That's the, that's the ground level. That's the, the first step into discipleship. And it is the most important thing and the thing that you always fall back on. When you, when you trip and you fall, when you sin, when you fail, when, when you feel like you're a loser, when you feel like you're not connected to him anymore, when you feel like you're, you're not a good disciple, you're not a good church member, when you feel all of those things, you go back to ground level. You go back to first base and you go, yeah, he knows. And he knew it when he called me. He knew I'd be right here. He knew all of these things. And he says, I'm with you. I know you. Follow me. And you just start over. And you just go back. And you just do it again. And that's the way it's going to be until each and every one of us sees greater things. Living that out, heading into our next sermon series, pitching it to Dan again to kick off yet another sermon series. I'm just going to do that. I'm going to take all of the first Sundays off and let you start them all. Knowing that, first floor, step one, we're all right here on first base. Now we go and we live, and we're going to get pushed back. Because the world that doesn't know God, and even sometimes children of his in his kingdom get a little bit nervous. Okay, if you know him, that means I should know him. Because if there's a creator, I'm, I'm accountable and responsible. If you know who he is, right, and you say you've met him, and, and I'm not going to believe all of these external things you say when you point in the scripture and say, all of these prophecies he fulfills, and give me the evidence, and go through the apologetics. You can do all of those things, and, and people will push back and have resistance, and some will say, I, no, I believe that too, but you're acting weird living this faith out. You're acting weird now that you're saying these things and doing these things, and, you, and the other people outside of the kingdom are going to say, no, 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 no. I, I don't want this in my life, in your life. This isn't for me. And we go back to Philip and just do what he did. And say, All right, just, come on. Just, just, here he is. Forget everything else I said uh, about all those other things. This Jesus, just meet this Jesus. That's all evangelism is. Let me show you this guy. He does the rest. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, the kiddos are going to be coming back in here. Just so everybody knows, um, we're going to say it more times all the time, the question of the day, what does this mean? It's really, we've vacillated between question of the day, question of the week. I think we're giving up. It's just question of the day. You get it today, but the idea is for everybody here, and this isn't just if you have kids, but if you have kids, this is kind of what they talked about. So why is disobedience to God such a big deal? And they should have an answer for you. And if you don't have kids, you probably are here with somebody. And if not, then just find somebody, know somebody, and say, 
well, why do you think disobedience is such a big deal? We want you to be thinking about some of these things, not just Sunday morning while we're in here, but as we even head on out. So let's close with a quick word of prayer, and uh, those kiddos are still kind of trickling in. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, the opportunity to bring people to Jesus, to introduce people to the Savior of the world, to just show people and thank you for making that call personal to me and to all of your children. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that as you continue to work out in each and every one of us new and holy lives, according to your word, I pray that you would bless us with more opportunities to share and to invite others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I invite you to stand and receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.